Warning. The Kingdom Cast podcast contains spoilers about comic books, movies, and entertainment in general, as well as anything else that crosses their minds. Please do not take any medical advice seriously, nor legal advice that they may or may not give out. For that matter, it's probably for the best that you take nothing that they say seriously. Kingdom Casts podcast once more, the only place you should go for investment advice. <laughs> Welcome to Kingdom Cast podcast pull list and WandaVision update for the week of February 3rd, 2021. Joining us once again is Sandra Swandive Swindle. I'm Stan Daniel, and with me as always is Albert Marsh. So, Albert, yeah, what is your investment advice? I don't know nothing about any of that. <laughs> Buy low, sell high. I guess. Find a different app other than Robinhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Real quick, I want to get in this email from Jeremiah. Jeremiah listened to our latest podcast and just felt that he needed to type in all caps an email to us. His email consisted of the following. Todd McFarlane's run on Amazing Spider-Man <laughs> is one of the greatest runs of all time. Yep. That's my opinion. I loved it. Jeremiah. <laughs> Good on you, Jeremiah. We should all have our favorites. I don't think we were arguing about the amazing Spider-Man. I thought we just said we didn't like the Todd McFarlane Spider-Man. That's all on you guys. I didn't say anything about Spider-Man. Yeah, the Amazing Spider-Man stuff's real good. I liked Eric Larson when he came on to it. Just plain old Spider-Man. Nope. You and I both loved the David McElhaney, Todd McFarlane, Amazing Spider-Man run, didn't we? Yeah. We just didn't like Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man by itself. Correct. Because he, what, what'd he do? He brought in Craven's daughter or something? He did a bunch of bad stuff. It was just <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was weird. So, Jeremiah, rest assured that we were not referring to the David McElhaney, Todd McFarlane, Amazing Spider-Man. We were referring to Todd McFarlane's solo Spider-Man series. Aside from that, real quick, one of our content providers, Alex, sent us in a link to IGN where apparently Ryan Coogler is in talks with Disney Plus for a Wakanda streaming series. He signed a five-year exclusive Disney television deal. So I don't know if that includes ABC. The television blanket covers everything Disney does. Hell, for all we know, he's writing a, ESPN, yeah, yeah. a series for ESPN. Right. It says to develop television for other divisions of the company. Supposedly, the first thing they've got on that, supposedly, one of the things they've got on there is the a, a Wakanda Disney Plus show. I'd look forward to that. I think that'd be pretty cool. I don't know after one division. We'll get to WandaVision. As a matter of fact, there's an email aimed at you and Sandra about WandaVision that we'll get, I get, to, we'll get to. constant <laughs> messages about you, Stan. <laughs> well, why don't you share them? That's part of the thing. We're supposed to have them out. It's all the same thing. How great my commercials are? What? It's like, why does Stan hate AT&T so much? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure well, people I give a damn about that. I think that should be clear why he hates it. 
AT&T so much. I don't hate AT&T. I just don't like it when AT&T does not appreciate or know what they have in the character set and the Warner Brothers intellectual property. It's getting destroyed bit by bit. I have the same issue with Marvel and Namor. I can understand where you're coming from, Stan. Well, Marvel's not destroying Namor. They just keep him around, and when somebody needs no. to talk to a fish... <laughs> Now, they are doing they a lot to destroy him, let me tell you. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and make some suggestions for your pull list this week, remind you of some stuff coming out, then suggest two books apiece that we're willing to take a risk on. Albert, you want to start us off this week? Sure. My three normal picks are... Future State Wonder Woman number two. So far, issue one of that has been the best Future State book. Issue two ought to be good. The next one was supposed to come out before everything shut down last year. Mm -hmm. And that is Man Bat number one, which is not a Future State book. And it's just a miniseries. Why are they picking Man Bat to do a miniseries for? Every once in a while, they just give him something. Yeah, they really do. They try them out every now and then, and it's either really good or just forgettable. Yeah, it's like once every year or two, they'll give him a big one shot or a quick little mini or something. Just like, hey, that's Man Bat, whatever. I don't even recognize these people. The writer, Dave, I do not know. Dave Wilgosk. He seems like he had done maybe a little bit of work on Detective and Nightwing, like an annual or something, maybe. And no. The, the illustrator is Summit Kumar. Never heard of him before. Yep, neither have I. My third pick of the week is Snake Eyes Dead Game number four, a Rob Liefeld joint. <laughs> you just stole one of my picks. I was like, well, I'm picking it, but maybe Stan may pick it as a joke, too. I don't know. I wasn't picking it as a joke. I'm being serious. <laughs> Look, the point of a comic book is to be entertaining. This comic book is entertaining. <laughs> Not yeah, in the I guess ways that issue, it tends to be. Supposed to fight Thor or something in this issue? I don't remember. He's on the cover holding Thor's hammer. Now, keep yeah. in mind, this is not a Marvel Comics Thor. This is Liefeld's version of Thor by way of G.I. Joe. I'd pick that too, but I have backups. Did you notice, though, that now he is listed solely as the writer, artist, cover artist, and editor? <laughs> For Snake Eyes Dead Game. And, and I'm editor? sure, yeah, he's editor on it, too. He's listed as all of those things on it. And I'm sure if we asked him, he'll probably take credit for creating G.I. Joe in the year 1964. And he's probably also responsible for creating the entire concept of comic books. Jeez. Possibly. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm in full agreement with you, people. Don't miss out on Snake Eyes Dead Game number four. On some listings, it still lists Chad Bowers as co-writer. I'm willing to bet it does. Seriously, he is listed as writer, artist, cover artist, and editor. How do you edit Liefeld? Only Liefeld can edit Liefeld. Only Liefeld understands the enigma that is Liefeld. <laughs> God. And I doubt even he understands it completely. You know what Namor needs? Namor needs a book done solely by Liefeld. <laughs> Oh, my God, no. Every time he touches Namor, it's like, oh, my gosh, take him over there and wash him off. What was that horrible thing he did? The last horrible thing he did in the X, Mutant X? And he had that Major old X. man Major Namor. X. Major what? X, yeah. I remember Raphael got real mad because someone stuck Major X in, like, a panel of a comic. So that screwed up the first oh, yeah. appearance of him or something, and Lionel got super upset about it, I, or some dumb stuff like that. I don't remember. It was a big deal. A big deal for 
minutes, then Hickman took over the X-Books, and everybody forgot that Major X existed. Thank God. <laughs> What's the two you're going to risk it on this week? The two I'm going to risk it on are, they're both by image. This is my one and two on both of these. They're reprinting graphic fantasy number one and two. These are facsimile editions, so they're direct copies of them. Graphic fantasy is where Savage Dragon first showed up back in the early 80s, but he just was called the Dragon. Oh, cool. All right, and that's your one and two. Yeah, it was fanzine from 82, I believe. Yeah, and that's my one and two. They're, because they're reprinting, reprinting both of them. Because both of them have different price points. Issue one's a $10 book, and issue two's a $6 book. I'm going to go with King in Black, Black Knight, number one, by Cy Spurrier and Jesus Saez. Cy Spurrier is awesome writer. He wrote the X-Men Legion series mm-hmm. several years ago with Mike Delmundo doing the art. And he wrote the X-Club. Just an awesome writer with a quirky sense of humor and some really wild ideals. And my God, Jesus says, good Lord, that man could make a phone book look good. Yeah, that's my number one pick this week. And then I'm going to go with Warhammer 4, which I think is the final issue of, of that Warhammer series by Kieran Gillen. Yeah, I think issue four is the last yeah, one. Yeah, definitely going to pick that up because I've been reading the other ones. It's a solid book. And if you like Warhammer, I think you really like it. My third pick is going to be an image book. I think it's image called Sea of Sorrows. You know, we read that. Yeah, uh, I remember we read sea that of book Sorrows. with the weird mermaid. Then we couldn't figure out if it was supposed to be set in World War One, World War Two, post whatever. IDW. It's from IDW. So those are my three picks. And for my two, take a chance on. I'm gonna continue my sea theme with a book called Deep Beyonder number one, which is from Image. There, I was saying I was getting confused. It's from Image. The writer is someone who's normally an artist, Mirka Andolfo and David oh, Goy. Mirka Andolfo, she's writer and artist on most oh, of her Oh, is she? Stuff. Okay, okay. Yeah, she's a good writer and improves with mm-hmm. almost every one of her books, but her art is just out there. The pitch is The Hundred Meets Low with a hint of Death Stranding in a brand new sci-fi thriller series. And it's a future Earth where it's underpopulated and the planet is probably going to hell in a handbasket. But that they're trying to figure out a way to survive. My other risk is going to be Avengers number 42. <laughs> Avengers number 42, which I saw the preview of it and I'm, okay, I'm going to pluck my eyeballs out right now. But it looks like Jason Aaron is actually going to try and write from Namer's point of view, and it looks like it's going to be a massive train wreck. I don't think even... Avengers number 42 is as much of a risk as it is a suicide mission. Yeah, yeah. When you don't even know that Namer's origin story is his mom and dad met on a boat. His mom was on a spy mission, and then his dad was killed when the Atlanteans recovered his mom. I don't know what to say. But, you know, he's been very good on, I think, his when he did Black Panther's POV. But, of course, he loves Black Panther. And he was very good. I thought he did a a decent job enough on Cap's POV. So I'm going to actually buy my ticket to watch that train wreck. I'm going to sneak a third one in there. Avengers Mech Strike. Not because I'm a Gundam person or anything like that, but because the artist is Carlos Magno. He is an amazingly detailed artist. And I think he could just go to town on this. I almost picked that. 
Yeah, as a maybe, yeah, take yeah. a chance on. Because he did the Avengers Empire tie-in. And of course, I know him from the Zadarsky Invader series. I got an oh. idea. Yes. Yeah, on how to make Black Knight popular. <laughs> Put him in a movie and have Kit Harris. No, no, you give him a leather jacket and a lightsaber. Didn't he have a leather jacket when Harris was riding him? And the lightsaber. He did have a lightsaber? <laughs> Where are you getting the leather jacket and the lightsaber from? That's what he looked like in the 90s. They gave yeah. him a leather jacket and a oh, lightsaber. Oh, that's true. When yeah, I forgot Cersei about that. Were a thing. It was a, My it was God, a I forgot about photons that. Or, or photon sword, I think is what they called it. Yeah, it was. But My the, God, hilt, the hilt was a lightsaber, uh, from what I remember. It was. It was. No, it was. You're right. I'd completely blocked that from memory. <laughs> I really did. My three suggestions for your pull list. I'm going to suggest two comics, but they're in and of the same thing. Star Wars High Republic number two from Marvel Comics, writer Kevin Scott, artist Ario Anandito, and Star Wars High Republic Adventures number one from IDW, writer Daniel Jose Older, artist Harvey Tolabow. Oh my gosh, he's wonderful. He does the cover well, and my God, that cover... That cover just blows the regular Star Wars High Republic cover out of the water. Ario Anandito on the Marvel book, he's no slouch, but Harvey's cover is just outstanding. He's one of the Filipino artists. That man, Harvey to- uh, Tobuliano, he's also highly detailed. He will definitely blow it out the water. It looks absolutely beautiful. But I'm excited about those both those books, and the reason I'm recommending them as one is because Star Wars High Republic actually has a layout where it's it's going to run for the next five or six years. Jesus. And nice. Yeah, and they know where they're going with it. They know where the novelizations, all of the tie-ins, and the possible streaming series and the possible video games are going to lead with it. The comic books are a big part of it, and they're a good way to get in on an age of Star Wars that has not been explored before. I think both Albert and I did enjoy Star Wars High... I know I did. Star Wars High Republic number one. I look forward to number two this week. The High Republic Adventures from IDW look... For the art by itself, I got to tell you, just for that cover. My second section of recommendations is going to be the King and Black tie-ins. Sandra already recommended Black Knight number one. I'm going to go ahead and recommend Gwenham versus Carnage and Return of the Valkyries. Both of those are their second issues. Uh, and that's simply been because the King and Black series and its tie-ins has been top-notch. I recommend Gwenham versus Carnage number two and Return of the Valkyries number two, both of those being King and Black tie-ins. And for my third recommendation, since Albert has stolen Rob Liefeld's snake eyes right out from under me, I'm going to go and recommend Hellions number nine. Hellions has been an outstanding and surprising book, one with depth and character to it that, uh, quite honestly, I didn't expect from it, with a bunch of characters that I generally am not as invested in as the regular cast of the X-Books. But writer Zeb Wells takes it to another level here. He's outstanding when he's writing Mr. Sinister. This book has been nothing but enjoyable, and Stephen Segovia has done a wonderful job on the art to date. I recommend Hellions number 9, 
has my third book for your pull list. Now, the two I'm risking it on, I actually can't believe I'm considering either one of these, but both of these, upon reading the blurb, struck me as interesting. The first one is Fear Case, number one, from Dark Horse. And I'm going to go ahead and read the blurb on both. A new horrific detective series by Matt Kent and Tyler Jenkins, a no-nonsense Secret Service agent and his new age partner investigate a mysterious box known as the Fear Case, which has appeared throughout history at sites of disaster and tragedy. Whoever comes into possession of this case must pass it on within three days or face deadly consequences. The agents must track down this fear case while staying one step ahead of a psychotic cult and otherworldly forces behind the case's existence. I feel that this is going to have the potential to be a really intriguing horror series with a little bit of a different take on it, or it could just end up being just as bland as every other typical comic book horror series has been. The second one I'm going to recommend is... And I can't believe I'm recommending this, and I'm still not exactly sure what pulled me toward it. Maniac of New York, number one, from Aftershock Comics. Four years ago, a mass slasher began stalking the streets of New York City. Maniac Harry is inhuman, unkillable, and unstoppable, which is why the authority's solution has been to ignore him and let New Yorkers adapt to a world where death can strike at any moment. When Maniac Harry starts killing his way through the subway system, trauma-haunted political aide Gina Green and disgraced NYPD detective Zelda Pettibone become determined to go rogue and destroy him. But how can they fight a monster when they can't fight City Hall? From Emmy Award winning writer Elliot Kaland, who has written for The Daily Show, Mystery Science Theater 3000, Spider-Man and the X-Men, and artist Andrea Muddy from Port of Earth and Hellblazer, comes the horrifying story of what happens when terror becomes the new normal, a frightening, thought-provoking, sometimes funny, always timely tale of murder, obsession, and urban living. So those are my two risks. Did y'all consider either of those? No, I looked at that serial killer book. I'm not a white woman. (laughs) So I need to look at the serial killer book. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why whenever we call you up, we have to wait for you to turn the TV off of 48 hours. To- <laughs> <laughs> listening to 48 hours. Good God. This week is just like trade paperback heaven. There's a Luke Cage epic coming out. There's a Morbius. Like if you don't really know anything about Morbius, this Morbius Preludes and Nightmares is the book for you because it has all of his early issues in it. Manhunter by Archie Goodwin and Walt Simonson. That looks awesome. And on topic of what we're going to talk about, the complete James Robinson run on Scarlet Witch, his Scarlet Witch series that was out not too long ago. For the low, low price of $34.99. Yeah. Nobody said Reaching Comics was cheap. And I also would like to point out that Image is doing another run of their Image Firsts, which are the first issues of various series for a buck. So if you ever wanted to try, I don't know, Jeff Lemire's Ascender, or I guess this is David Walker's Bitter Root. Of course, Kieran Gillian's Die Number One, Philadelphia One, Mercy One, The Old Guard One by uh, Greg Rucka, and Undiscovered Country One. For a buck, you can't go wrong there. No, no, no. Those, the dollar comics that all of them are doing Marvel's True Believers, Image Firsts, and all they're they're all outstanding and they're yeah. all great values. I recommend those. One division. One division. Yeah. One division.
division. We've got a few more emails about one division. So right. let's start off with the emails and then we'll go to something one of our content providers pointed out or a series of things one of our content providers pointed out. But the first email up, and these are in no particular order, there are several people online suggesting that the sword agent who was turned into the beekeeper and then vanished when Wanda rebooted reality has turned into the Spider-Man villain Swarm. Do you think they would do this? And that's from Brian. I don't know. That seems like a step too far. Yeah, seems like a pretty big stretch. Is Swarm supposed to be in the next Spider-Man movie? Well, you see, Swarm has been a Sinister Six villain. He's been a member of Sinister Six, but so has everybody else. I just don't know. But there was a couple other people that had sent emails and stuff to us asking about why did the sword agent turn into a beekeeper in a beekeeper suit with the bees around him. And as near as I can figure, that's just how he was translated once he entered the warp bubble into WandaVision, into the neighborhood that Wanda has taken over. He was in the bio suit. If you take that bio suit and you put it in terms of a 1950s sitcom or a 1960s sitcom, it'd probably translate to beekeeper. So that's what I saw. Brian had made a good point that we don't know what happened to the beekeeper after Wanda rebooted everything everything when she saw him. We haven't discovered his fate as of episode four. I don't know. That may be a bridge too far right there. Yeah, that seems too much. Too much? Yep. There's a lot of obscure stuff being referenced, but yeah, I don't know. But everything in this episode, everyone's trying to link it to something else rather than just rather than it just well, being what it is. Well, yes, they all do that. And our listeners are sending an email and they're asking our opinions on it. Well, and we just said we is- think Swarm would be a bit too much. Yeah, my opinion is it's more a nod to AIM. And I say nod, not that it is AIM, since it's clear now, finally, what exactly is going on. I mean, I oh, think yeah, we've got an email addressing, yeah. we've got an email addressing both of your attitudes on this coming up. <laughs> Okay, our next email is from Steve. Steve writes in and says, Do you guys think Monica got her superpowers when Wanda tossed her back through the bubble? While she was rolling around on the ground, she was still glowing red from Wanda's sex. Uh, shit. From Wanda's hex. God. Oh, my God. Hex. If only. Hex. I don't know. We don't see. <laughs> we don't see enough of her in episode four after she gets blasted out of the bubble. It's entirely possible. For some reason, I think that we're going to have to wait to a movie to see Monica become Photon or gain Photon's powers. Oh, okay. I was wondering how she gained her powers, and it says she was bombarded by extra-dimensional energy produced by an energy disruptor weapon created by a criminal yeah. scientist. So, hmm. Yeah, well, most it, superheroes have pretty stupid origins. Well, I'm, I'm saying she did get probably bombarded by extra-dimensional energy. Yeah, it's close enough. It, it's a possibility. I think it's more likely than the beekeeper guy turning into Swarm. But I yeah, still I'll go know. with that. I'll go with that. I'm still kind of thinking that we're going to have to wait for Monica to get her powers in a movie. Then Laura writes in. Laura asks, who is the man in the witness protection program that Agent Wu was sent to find? Could he be referring to Agnes's husband, Ralph? Or is it the guy that Vision pointed out was a communist? Could it be Herb? Is it at all possible it's Wonder Man? No. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Could Wanda or Sword 
or Hydra be using Simon Williams' body to reanimate the Vision. Marvel mm. leaked, well, you see, Marvel leaked the Wonder Man MCU designs in one of their press release interviews about WandaVision. Did they? Yes. Yes, they did. They're talking to different creators and writers on the show, and in one of the scenes, you see a whole bunch of artwork hanging in the background, and in one of the scenes, you see mock-ups for Wonder Man. To be fair, Laura's not alone in this. There's several people online in threads and such that are speculating that Simon Williams is the person that Agent Wu was there to find that was in the witness protection program that he's been reanimated has the vision. Now, my problem with this is in episode four, Wanda sees the vision, the vision's actual body, the dead corpse of the vision where the stone was ripped out of his head where we last saw him in Avengers Infinity War. I'm not sure why she would see that if they've reanimated Wonder Man. I guess the line of thought would be you use Simon's body the bring vision back as a host or the bring Vision back in some way to where he's not just an animated corpse that Wanda's trying to control or try to keep alive. I could see that. I'm becoming more and more convinced because, again, it's been pointed out that when Agnes referenced her anniversary in the first episode, Agnes, who is beyond a shadow of a doubt, Agatha Harkness, she referenced the the date that the Salem witch trials had started on, and that could be a reference to her making a commitment to Mephisto. So I don't think Ralph is the individual that Agent Wu was initially sent to Westview to locate. Without getting into a Wikipedia discussion again on the Salem Witch Trials, when did, no, she, no, reference, no, no. It, the, when did she reference the date of the Salem Witch Trials? Okay, you remember the first episode of WandaVision? Wanda was thinking that it was her and Vision's anniversary? Yes. Okay, Agnes gives the date of her and Ralph's anniversary. And the date is also the same date as the start of the Salem Witch Trials. She doesn't give the year. She just gives the date. This has been speculated wildly that she gives that date because she made a commitment to Mephisto to save her, get her out of it, or what have you. I don't think it's going to be Ralph. I still think Ralph's going to be one of the big bads, if not the big bad Mephisto. It could just simply be the little communist guy that they had in Witness Relocation Program has just a reason for Agent Wu to be the first one on the site. As for Herb, the neighbor, no, I think Herb is a member of the coven that exists in Westview that helped bring this about. I'm sorry, didn't in the show... Were they just on sword stationary or were those actually sword agents that they were pulling up? No, like those weren't show. Okay. In episode four, what you see is Darcy picked no. up the no, white. No, no, signals. no, no. Jimmy Woo putting up. Yeah, that's what I'm getting Yeah, I mean, weren't those... Darcy, Darcy picks up on the wave signal. She tunes into the television program. They start picking people off the television program and matching them with their real-life counterparts that live in Westview. Those are driver's licenses that they're putting on the pictures, on the black-and-white pictures of the quote-unquote actors in the one division series. So they're just using sword stationery. Yeah, those are yeah, it's just sword stationery. It's like, you know, uh, it, it's like a piece of paper from Shield. Yeah, that's all they're doing. Those are not sword agents inside there. The only agent of sword that got trapped in WandaVision was Monica. The rest live in that neighborhood. And if you notice when you go to the board, you've got pictures of everybody up there except for Dottie, the head of the PTA. They've got Agnes's picture up there, but Agnes does not have a copy of of her driver's license 
on top of it on her state ID. And Westview is located in New Jersey. What did Agnes have on there if she didn't have her license? Agnes didn't have nothing. They just had a picture of her up from the TV series. Well, maybe she did not Agnes have her... is the witness protection person. Well, that'd be a good guess, except Jimmy Woo specifically said he and him in relation to the witness relocation, witness protection program person. That's why Laura is only suggesting men. Mm. Agnes is Agatha Harkness. And the sooner you just accept that conclusion, the happier you'll be in life, Sandra. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see about that. Also, the fact that Westview is in New Jersey, that location is also nearby the military slash shield base that we saw in Captain America Winter Soldier and also saw in Avengers Endgame, where they stored the Cosmic Cube in the 70s. Did we ever answer the question about the witness protection? I don't know who it is. It could be as simple as being the guy that Vision said is a communist. Well, that I like would be the theory a, about Wonder Man. That's, that's kind of interesting. But why would he be in the witness protection? thing. Well, that's a good... Okay. James Gunn had almost put a Wonder Man reference. Well, they actually filmed a Wonder Man reference for Guardians of the Galaxy, Mm -hmm. but the scene was cut out because it slowed the pace of the film and so on and so forth. But there was a scene before Star-Lord was kidnapped where he was at some sort of theater and it was celebrating the films of Simon Williams. And they had uh, the guy that plays Mal Reynolds from... Nathan Fillion. Yeah, Nathan Fillion. It had Nathan Fillion on the posters as Simon Williams. Yeah, he was trying to set Nathan Fillion up to be Simon Williams and he cut the scene because they couldn't use it in the movie. It was just slowing the pace of it, and they cut that entire segment out. There's an easy out for Simon being in witness protection instead that he rolled on his brother, who's the Grim Reaper. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that's yeah. a good call. Right? So it could be Simon Williams. I mean, it, I mean as far as something like that, it's, it's, it, could be, it could just be that simple. No, it, it really could be. Okay, we're going to get to one last email that calls Sandra and Albert out. And then we're going to get to what Joseph had sent in to us, a few facts that you may or may not be aware of. All right, the final email, Dear Kingdom Casts Gang, are you happy now, Albert and Sandra? Did episode four satisfy your whining little complaints finally? I mean, (laughs) God forbid we take time to establish theming, story structure, and character. You two just wanted all your little questions answered immediately and without any character development, suspense, or storytelling. There's a name for people like you. It's called DC fans. Thank God for Stan. Sincerely, J.S. Daniel. (laughs) J.S. Daniel? Yeah. <laughs> Is that an alternate? I, I don't know what to tell you. It's just a concerned fan, apparently. <laughs> right, huh. Stan Daniel. <laughs> Uh-huh. Joseph had pointed out a few things. Well, wait, wait, uh, wait, he, wait, wait. Yeah. I, I, we have to respond to this, don't we, Albert? No. There's no real what? response to that, is there? Well, yes. I'm not a DC fan. If you listen to this podcast, I've said repeatedly, I'm just not that big of a DC fan. <laughs> I think what the email was trying to get at was you're behaving like one. <laughs> well, I can't help it if the show's terrible. The show's not terrible. The show's great. Let's get this email out, this wait, last wait, wait, email, wait. and then we'll Excuse talk about and, how and bad this show is. The, the only thing I really whine about is Namer. I don't whine about the show. I've just said that I thought the show... I, 
The third yeah, episode. But, Sandra, but everything you talk about goes back to Namor, so technically you do complain about everything. <laughs> Jay, look, look, JS Daniel is obviously JS Daniel is obviously a concerned fan that, that felt he needed to Event. intervene with that email. Okay. <laughs> Joseph Koloski pointed out a few things to us. He said there's speculation going around online that the missing sword agents in space that did not return when the blip occurred after the snap, that the speculation is they may end up being the Fantastic Four. What he's referring to is that the acting head of S.W.O.R.D. is talking to Monica and saying, no, we stay terrestrial based now because we had astronauts that were out there during the snap. And when everybody came back, they still haven't shown back up. Oh, it was like one that, line, and it was catch. Like, yeah. It was a, it's a very good catch. While I still hope that the Fantastic Four are actually in the negative zone, which would be a simple walk in to the Marvel universe, this would be a good angle for it. Wait, when you say the negative zone, are you talking about the quantum zone? If they don't call it the negative zone, they'll call it the quantum zone in the MCU. No, the place that we saw in Ant Man. Is that what you're talking about? The Fantastic Four have a doorway to something called the negative zone, where Annalis lives. Oh, my God. Yes, I know that. (laughs) Because I'm a Marvel fan, but I am saying that in the movie universe, they don't have the negative zone. They have the quantum verse or whatever. They don't have the the negative zone yet, but it could be the quantum verse. We can say it's the quantum verse. Well, that's a completely different thing, you know, because the quantum verse is it's not an alternate universe. It's the space between molecules or atoms or whatever. Yeah, the negative yeah, zone yeah. is an alternate universe, not an alternate. It's an alternate dimension. The reason I'd rather it be the negative zone, and we're getting way off base here, is because time passes differently in the negative zone. To the Fantastic Four, they could have been trapped in the negative zone for a week while forty years passed here. I just always thought that introducing the negative zone would be a great way just to walk them in, like they've always been here, but we've never talked about them because they've been missing for forty years. Doesn't time pass differently in the quantum verse in Ant-Man? I mean, because he didn't age in Ant-Man. Outside, his daughter aged. It seemed like a little bit of time to him, to Scott, but it depends on where they are in the quantum zone because clearly Janet aged who was trapped there for all those years, she aged normally in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, but he didn't really age and his daughter grew up. No, he said that for him, it was like 20 minutes or or an hour or however long it was. It seemed to him. That's where he was at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Where Janet was, Janet aged normally. So it depends. But they could still pull the Ant-Man thing and and say, yes, this is where the Fantastic Four is. I just think that's a wonderful way for the Fantastic Four to have been in the Marvel Cinematic Universe the entire time without having been in the Marvel Cinematic Universe the entire time. And those sword astronauts, that's Man-Wolf. God, I hope not. Oh, yes, Man-Wolf. Another good guess. (laughs) You see, there's a lot of characters I think we could skip, and Man-Wolf is one of them. Also, Morbius was one of them, but thanks to Sony, we're not skipping Morbius. To bring it all back. I could do with skipping all of them and getting Namor back in there, but (laughs) I'm not running the place. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Uh, Oh, my God. Albert... (laughs) 
That is gold. <laughs> now, Joseph goes on to also say that since people have connected the dots to WandaVision having taken place in New Jersey, Kamala Khan lives in New Jersey also. And that since she's also got a D23 series, they're speculating, could this tie into how she gets her powers? That he personally hoped they didn't make it that obvious since he thinks Monica is likely to get her powers from this mess too. I don't know that they're going to necessarily tie Kamala Khan into this. No, I doubt it. But you do have a lot of crap going on in New Jersey in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The S.H.I.E.L.D. base and Kamala Khan living there. Hell, everything else that's going down Westview on all of that. There's a whole lot of crap happening in Jersey. Budget-wise, it's easier to fake New Jersey than it is New York. If you say somewhere's New New York, everyone's going to know that's not New York. I mean, there's nothing signifying it's New Jersey other than we're saying it's New Jersey. We're going to wind it up here. We'll be back with you later this week with our regular podcast, posting on Thursday or Friday, hopefully. For your dose of AT&T, Pamela Lifford whining. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I don't have, I'm not intending to whine on Pamela Lifford or AT&T, but there is some more Cyborg Ray Fisher news. Oh, really? From, I didn't see yeah, that. Yes. Okay. So we'll discuss that this and next more, podcast. more probably coming. Jason Aaron bashing. <laughs> Sorry, Jason. I did oh, buy. Well, yeah, if Avengers is coming out, yeah. Well, there's <laughs> a big rumor about Avengers. Besides my neighbor whining, there's a, a rumor coming out that there's going to be a big retcon in Avengers for somebody else. We'll see. Thank you for joining us once again. You got any questions? You got any One Division theories? You want to talk about how bad that cover to Toto's Africa was in Aquaman or anything else? Send us email, kingdomcasts, that's kingdom, C-A-S-T-S, at gmail.com, kingdomcomics at gmail.com, kingdomcasts and kingdomcomics on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you all so very much. We appreciate you greatly. We appreciate our sponsor, iviwatches.com. Type in code kingdom to get 20% off. We appreciate our content contributors as well. Join us later this week. We'll review the new comics that come out for the week of February 3rd, 2021, and talk about more comic gossip and news. Sandra, you got anything to say? Well, I do want to say to all the uh, WandaVision letter writers that I'm glad you're catching all of this stuff. Nobody's catching all this stuff. They're just Except looking for- at all the five million posts of YouTube and crappy that- comic book websites and Twitter that- posts and Instagram yeah. posts. I see. Okay. Well, whatever. However you're coming in to it, that that that's cool. But I do also want to get in my dig here since J.S. Daniels put, <laughs> held us over the coals here. I was right about the helicopter. Thank you Oh, very you much. were. I you was. Were. I forgot, <laughs> and I even made a note about that. <laughs> You were you. I was saying that it was an actual helicopter. You said that it was a drone. You were right, right, right. <laughs> it was a drone that got turned into a toy helicopter. Yep. Just like the guy in the bio suit got turned into a beekeeper for some reason to be translated into the sitcom. Yes, but you were you were dead on about that. Cool. I'm sure you were dead on right about something else, but I can't find it in my notes either. It seems like you were. So there you go. But yeah, I meant to I meant to compliment you on that. As a matter of fact, the first thing I said when they said that drone in, I, I was like, ah, damn it, Sandra was right. <laughs> Albert, you got anything to say to him? Yes. If you are a member of the Church of Albert, you have to cancel your Disney Plus subscription <laughs> now. No! <laughs> yeah, nobody's going to do that, Albert. <laughs> well, if they You're don't, the they thing- can just go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back with you later this week. Tell them good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Kingdom Casts is owned by Kingdom Comics Incorporated and produced by Stan Daniel and Albert Marsh. No part of this program may be reproduced, replicated, or replayed without permission. Special thanks to Sandra Swindle. Also, thank you to our content contributors, Jason Bean, Tim Bryant, Cornelius Burroughs, Denise Daniel, Josh Duke, Alex Fitzpatrick, Hatcher, Charles Hickey, Ali Marceau, Joseph Koloski, Katrina Olstead, and Angela Pickett. Logo designed by Geoffrey Gwynn. Edited by Stan Daniel. Kingdom Casks is copyrighted 2021. All rights reserved. <laughs>